Fading Memories is sponsored by I'm Up. I'm Up is an app that gives you independence, security, and peace of mind. Find it in your favorite app store and use invite code 006 when you sign up. Welcome to Fading Memories, a supportive podcast for those of us caring for a loved one with memory loss. Hey, did you call and check in with mom this morning? No, I thought it was Pam's turn this morning. Do you know where my laptop is? Why are mornings so crazy? Ah, these daily phone calls are getting complicated and we're all forgetting whose day it is to call and check in. I'll call mom from the car as I head into work. That way, if we get into a conversation, it won't make me late or any crazier than I already feel. Oh, don't forget to give the dog his pills. Sounds good. Who's going to call Pam and figure out whose day is whose again? Ah, there has to be a better way than this. As caregivers, we find it very difficult to manage all of our responsibilities and still take care of ourselves. Eventually, we end up neglecting ourselves, and this is even worse if you're still working, and even more so if you're still raising children. Caregivers need to understand that this is not a job that we can do alone. But you don't have to take it from me. Today's episode, I talked to Marty Schreiber. He is the author of My Two Elaines. It's an excellent book, humor, you'll love it. He's also the former governor of the state of Wisconsin. And he talked to me today about the need for caregivers to understand that the loved one that they knew is gone and has become a second different loved one. His message is for caregivers and the need and the understanding that we have to do what we can do to take care of ourselves mentally, physically, and emotionally, because if we don't have that within ourselves, we cannot help our loved one. Hi, say, first of all, hello, and thank you for adjusting your time to our weather. Oh, well, it has to be done. (laughs) Yeah, but thank you because it's been cold and now it's really cold, but snow and really snow. And next week is going to be worse. I end. Where are you? In uh, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, uh, I won't torment you with. I took the dogs for a nice long walk this morning and was and had to take off my sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry. This ends this discussion now. I'm nice to visit with you. <laughs> Maybe talk to you again in the future. <laughs> You're always welcome to come out and visit. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thank Whenever you. Whenever the snow gets too deep. Oh, okay. Well, my name is Marty Schreiber, and uh, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, I, uh, uh, my wife, Elaine, is in assisted living memory care uh, here in the Milwaukee area. Uh, she is now in her 14th, I think, 15th year uh, since early uh, onset and now in assisted living memory care for approximately the last three and a half years. Well, you caught my eye on Twitter because you were dispensing advice. So I looked at your profile and said, oh, this is a guy I need to get to know. And then I looked at your book and then I read it. And I'm glad I reached out because there are so many people who do everything they can to care for their loved one until in some horrible instances, it kills them. They make promises they can't keep. They feel guilty if they put their loved one in a memory residence, like my mom and Elaine. 
been a long, tough journey. And uh, uh, along the line on this journey, I realized there was so much I didn't know, uh, so much I learned too late, so much I didn't learn soon enough. And I also concluded that if there's one thing worse than Alzheimer's, it's ignorance of the disease. And ignorance of the disease by the medical profession who doesn't understand there's going to be two patients, not only the person ill, but also the caregiver. But ignorance of the disease by even by myself as a caregiver, you know, to think I could peg you through it or to think that uh, I could do it alone or to think that uh, it was going to be an easy chore. And uh, on also, as you mentioned, so, so importantly, to think that there might be some kind of a gold pot at the end of the rainbow. And I never want to take away any thoughts about the possibility of a, a, a golden pot at the end of the rainbow. But it is so important, I think, in order to survive, in order to cope, uh, it is so important to learn um, that this disease is, is tough, that one of the most difficult jobs in the world is to be a caregiver. Uh, not uh, not only physically, but I think most significantly emotionally. So, uh, boy, that's a long introduction. You asked me who I am, and all of a sudden I'm talking for eight and a half hours. I could, <laughs> I could be in the San Francisco Bay Area by now had I hopped on an airplane. That is true. Well, my mom also has younger onset Alzheimer's. She turned 76 on January 2nd of this year, 2019, she has been in the assisted living memory care for 22 months, thereabouts, and it's def- it has definitely been a journey. And it's a different journey, I know, for kids dealing with their parents than it is for you dealing with your wife. Um, and I'm, I was really impressed that you wanted to learn more and you're sharing what you've learned, which is so important for this community. Uh, because my experience with people of your generation is they just try to tough it out and they try you, you said in your book, you know, it's, it's, you just, it's sometimes a male ego. You're just going to tough it out and, and do your best. And, and I'm, I'm glad that the conclusion you came to was a better one than many do. So, um, Tell me a little bit about you got your journey and what you've learned. And the, the point of my podcast is to help people on this journey. And I have learned so much doing this podcast that um, it's, that's been a, a very big benefit for myself. But I, I really want people to understand taking, being a caregiver, taking care of your parent or your spouse is not the same as raising a child. And you have four, if I recall. Four children, yes. Okay. I'm the same age as your third daughter. So that might give you a clue. Um, But it is not the same as raising a kid. I've got one daughter and she's 27. And, you know, there were days I thought we'd never get out of that why stage that you talked about in the book and other stages they go through. And it's just, it's different. So maybe you could share a little bit about your journey and what you've learned. And you're so good at sharing it. I want to give you the opportunity to share it with all my listeners. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I think one of the most significant things I learned really comes from the title of the book, My Two Elaines. And uh, so important was to realize that this is a new person. And this is a person um, 
who I now have to learn to live with and, and to work with and to, uh, and to love. Uh, and because this is a new person, I also have to learn how to let go of the first feeling. And it is so very, very difficult to do that. But I compare that to if, if the doctor tells you, you, for example, have to have your right arm amputated. Well, you could have it cut off one inch at a time. And each one of those is just such a, a, a slicing, painful experience time and time again until finally they take your whole arm off. Well, my feeling is that, that as I understand this disease better, what I really need to do if, if I have to have something so significant happen in my life is to have it happen all at once. In other words, to understand that this is a different person. Once I understand that, I am not so crushed when she doesn't know who I am. I am not so crushed when she doesn't know who the children are. I'm not so crushed when she doesn't even understand she has grandchildren. I'm not so crushed that she doesn't even know we're married because I know that this is a different person. And many times we caregivers think, oh, because they don't know my name or because they're swearing at me and they never swore before or because they don't know who the children are. Pain, pain, pain. Yes, there is no question that that is painful. But the fact of the matter is, if we can understand that this is a different person, mm -hmm. and because of that, then to rejoice in the new person, and so very difficult, but must be to let go of the person who once was. So that's, I, I think, covers, covers the main point, and then underneath that would be subheadings. And that is because this is a different person, we understand we can't argue with this disease. If Elaine has five coats on and she tells me that she's cold, I, to argue, it makes no sense. Easy to get another coat. If she wants a glass of wine and it's 9.30 in the morning, no argument about 9.30 in the morning, no good for a glass of wine. Do you want red wine? Do you want white wine? Do you want it in a small glass, a large glass? And if redirection doesn't work, what is wrong with a glass of wine at 9.30 in the morning for someone who doesn't know if it's night or day in the first place? So um, it's God, I, I, I guess to all of, all of your, 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 your watchers and your listeners, pray to God that there would be some easier way of handling this. Um, it's, it's almost a matter of mind over matter to get into our minds the necessity of understanding there are two people, someone who once was and is no more and this new person and join their world. Um, and the more that I ended up joining Elaine's world, the happier she was and the happier I was. That's a really good advice. And it's, it's counter to what a lot of people think. I was fortunate, and I've mentioned this many times, when my sister and I moved mom to the assisted living memory care, there was paperwork I hadn't filled out properly because I'm not sure any 50-year-old child is ready to understand all the paperwork about who's responsible for what and blah, blah, blah. And it was complicated. And the business man, office manager said in response to my, I made a comment about mom didn't seem to remember dad had passed away and it had only been two weeks. And she said, don't invite your mom to our reality. And I, I said, well, okay, I understand that, but clarify it. And she said, you know, if, if mom doesn't remember dad is gone, don't tell her because then she's going to grieve all over again. Do you want to go through that? I'm like, oh, heck no. And my maternal grandmother also had what I believe was Alzheimer's. 
Um, she definitely had significant memory loss. It may or may have may or may not have been caused by an aneurysm that leaked for three months. Um, there was never a definitive diagnosis one way or the other. She used to think that my grandfather left her for another woman and she would get very upset. And my aunt would tell her that, no, no, dad didn't leave you for another woman. He died. That didn't really help the upsetness part. So I was grateful that we got that advice right, right from the get go because I wasn't sure how to handle that. And she just basically said, don't just don't remind her. So I don't, my dad's at a rotary meeting or with his friends, or sometimes she'll say, you know, have you talked to my husband today? No. Um, but I, I talked to him on the phone or whatever. And I'll say, you know, I'll ask her, well, where is he? Oh, I don't know. And then we go on to something else. So it's very interesting that, you know, she doesn't. Well, I, call, I call that therapeutic fibbing. Mm-hmm. Elaine asked me how her parents were. And I said, well, they're both dead. Well, the shock on her face when she realized that I promised myself I'm never going to put her through that again. Now she asked me, how are my parents? Oh, I said, Elaine, your mom it works at church. She likes to help out uh, in the kitchen there. And your dad likes this. Oh, Elaine says, that makes me so happy. And so well, how are the children doing? Well, the children are at school. Or, and also, uh, if, if your listeners could understand how therapeutic fibbing comes into play also with uh, with driving the automobile and taking away the keys. Well, uh, no, you can't drive the automobile. I don't know if that's that's the answer. It's, uh, oh, my gosh, the insurance expired. I got to get it renewed. Or, oh, my gosh, the tires are flat. Or, oh, my gosh, it's at the repair garage. Uh, it, the, the matter of redirection and the matter of understanding for the moment, that is the focus, but that moment sometimes quickly passes. And therapeutic could be. Yeah, my um, Alzheimer's caregiver support group calls it fiblets. So there's all kinds of names, sure. but it's all the same thing. And my experience has been, you know, you can't, like, when we moved my mom in, it was after a significant season of rain here in California, which we'd had five years of drought. So we went from dry, the hills didn't, they got green, but not lush which lush is probably the wrong word for your part of the country, but for here, that's what they, they do in the winter. And my fear was that she would realize how long she'd been in this care facility as we had told her that she needed to stay there temporarily while we fixed up her house, which we did do that, but we also rented it out. And I was concerned that she would be like, well, hey, wait, we had green rolling hills and rain and cool temperatures and now the hills are brown and it's dry and it's hot. You know, you said this would be a couple months. And she has no clue to the season, the day, nothing. You know, it's, she doesn't, you know, her sense of time is completely gone. So it was a relief because I was very concerned taking her anywhere. She would, she would notice the seasons had changed. It is, it is, it is dramatic. I know it's California. We don't quite have four like you guys do, but we still have them and it's, you know, it was, I didn't know how we'd get through that, but fortunately I guess she wasn't aware, you know, she loves to go. Uh, we, we take drives up in the regional parks up in the Hills and the, she likes to look at the trees and the sky and the clouds. And, 
you know, so we do that frequently when it's nicer out, we, we get out and walk a little bit. So that's, I, I try to take her out of where she lives. We go, you know, I visit in the middle of the day, so it makes it a little bit easier. My sister works full time and has school aged children. So she ends up going on the weekends and she used to take mom out to the kids activities, but those were at night and that didn't work so well. Well, it's good for you what, what you do because, you know, that's her world. And when you think about the fact, in, in some ways, um, what, a, what a blessing that she simply appreciates trees and, 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 and scenery. Uh, she doesn't have to go to Paris, France. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to go through the TSA uh, lines to be checked over. You don't have to rent a car. You don't have to worry about immigration or any of that. Your mother can feel as happy and pleased by looking out what's going on in the area. And uh, and I know that Elaine just loves to look at the trees and she loves to look at the leaves blowing. And Oh my gosh, how did that tree ever get so big? And so forth. And so... Uh, you know, um, I, this is a terrible disease, as, as you and I both know, but the fact is that there are moments of joy mm -hmm. uh, that we can glean from it. And uh, when Elaine can look out and appreciate what she sees, whether it's uh, snow falling, which is just absolutely beautiful, which people in San Francisco don't have, and it's mm -hmm. too bad that you are being suffered and being <laughs> deprived of that ability but anyway we um, can drive to, to see it if we want it's not too far away <laughs> all right so well it sounds to me like you're you know that you've got a good handle on on how best to cope how best to survive and it's all been talking to people like you and researching and reading that's how the podcast started after mom was settled in the residue who her new residence. I, I tried to connect with her, you know, through music, through scrapbooks, through her wedding album, and it just didn't work. And I was researching on the internet and reading books and just my poor eyes were very tired. And I realized if someone had their loved one at home, they wouldn't have time for all that that I'd gone through. And especially to come up not shorthanded, but the answers didn't apply to my mom, which I find really interesting. Like the music, the music theory thing doesn't work very well, unless you want to sing Christmas carols all the time. And even that's not a, as big a connection as I've heard as possible. And perhaps that's just because she's way down the path of this disease. I'm not sure. So I, I started reaching out to people and I thought I need to share this information. So that's how the podcast started. And it's been, it's been beneficial to me. I hope it's been beneficial to the listeners as well. Good. If I may just mention uh, something. Uh, as I uh, mentioned before, the title of the book is My Two Elaines. And when you told me about, uh, you know, reading and sharing with your mom photographs and so forth, it almost could be entitled My 135 Elaine. <laughs> um, because as this disease progresses, progresses there are different things in other words elaine is now at the point where she doesn't recognize these pictures or doesn't know the seasons as with your mom but on early onset the music was very important and looking at these pictures were very important so uh, i think that as a caregiver we we have to sort of be detectives and, and try and understand what is what is the moment of the day 
for our loved one? Is it music? Uh, uh, is it uh, going for a walk? It, you know, and and whatever may not have worked yesterday may work today, and what worked today may not work tomorrow. So we we have to be detectives because if if we can sort of understand their mind, I mean, they, it's the mind is broken, and because the mind is broken, it doesn't focus as as we would ordinarily think a mind should focus, and and so they're sort of being batted around like a, everyone here is too too young to remember a game of Pong, but, you know, their mind is just bounced around all, all over the place with so many different experiences and thoughts that how we can capture one and, and get those sights, you know. Um, and so Elaine and I are driving. She used to, we used to listen to a lot of music when she was able to get out of the wheelchair. We used to go for rides. And so we're driving along and my good friend Elvis Presley is singing, I got a woman at the other end of town and she's really good for me. And Elaine looked at me and says, don't you wish? And so <laughs> but the, the point is to try and find these moments. Uh, and, and it's not always easy, but once you find it, it's like, wow, you know, what a blessing. Yeah, when you can find that little bit of humor, even if it's dark humor, which is what I find a lot with my mom, it it relieves the tension in, in you, which relieves it in them. And even if it's just for a moment, it's like it's like taking a deep, fresh breath. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, because my mom always asks, you know, my dad was chronically ill, he had diabetes and heart issues and not too many parts on him worked as they should. And his patience was not good. It wasn't good when he was healthy and when he was unhealthy and he'd been taking care of her for a long time, his patience was paper thin. And she gets very stressed if she doesn't, if she thinks he doesn't know where I'm taking her, where we're going. And that gets really frustrating really quick. And sometimes I just have to tease her about, well, we don't want him to come with us anyway. He's just a grump. And she'll laugh and, and agree with me. And, yeah. you know, at first that felt really bad because I don't want to, you know, my father's been gone almost two years. I don't want to, you know, it's true. He was a grump, but, you know, I'd, I'd rather focus on the positives of his life, not the negatives. And so it's it took me a while to get around to teasing her like that and, and making a comment. And, you know, it's the first... Well, the Christmas of 2017 was our first Christmas without him. And I thought, okay, you know, what's she going to say when he's not here? So I quickly came up with a therapeutic um, storytelling, like you call it, or you call therapeutic fibbing? Yes. Okay. So I thought, well, you know, she knows my dad was not healthy. So I said, well, he wasn't feeling well, so he stayed home. And that's the first time she said, well, that's good because we don't really want him around anyway. And I'm like, oh, okay, ouch. <laughs> now we kind of do, but okay. And so that's how I kind of get around her repeated questioning. Does my husband know where I am? Did you talk to my husband? Just this overriding concern that he needs to know where she's at. Drives me nuts. Because you know, we don't talk about, we don't get to talk about the good old days because she doesn't remember he's gone. We've had once, um, about two minutes, all of a sudden she started talking about it was really sad when dad passed away and I was driving and she's lucky we didn't have a wreck because it was so surprising that, you know, 
it was it took all my concentration to to shift directions mentally and we talked about him for about two minutes and then she started in on how pretty the sky was and that's all I've gotten in almost two years mm-hmm. which was nice I'm glad I got that much but you know it gets challenging to have the same conversations about my dad who is not with us but she doesn't remember that is Elaine still conversational no 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 um and she doesn't really know who I am other than someone who is nice um, and, um, no, there's just, uh, no conversation uh, other than I may tell her how pretty she is and she may say, thank you. I may tell you, I love her. And she may tell her, tell me she loves me. Uh, but that's it. If I ask her, how was your, you know, I help and now she's confined to a wheelchair because she simply can't pivot. So it's, it's from the bed to a wheelchair, from the wheelchair to the bathroom, from the wheelchair. And so, but then also what is happening is her coordination between her hand and, and her mouth. So she cannot eat by herself very well. So I, I see her in the morning when I can and at noon when I can. And, and so when I'm there in the morning, how is, did you have a good night's sleep? And she'll look at me like, Boy, what sleep? I don't. I don't know what you know, and so forth. But but anyway, because I know this is a different person, and again, because I wanted to get into her world. Wow! Well, if, if whatever she wants to do, whatever that's that's where we're at. Yeah, my mom always said, like when I was there Monday, because I still work full time. I'm I'm luckier. I work from home, but that there that does present challenges. In, I don't work Mondays at all anymore because once I'm done visiting her, it takes me a while to get back into our reality. And that kind of surprises me. I read news and, you know, I just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's, it's different. I come home, I read stuff, I make dinner. Usually after dinner, I'm kind of back to myself, but it's, it's interesting that I can't deal with my clients on Mondays. I mean, if I've tried and I'd rather not. It's just, it's too much, too much well, challenge. Here, here is what I guess is happening. And I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, <laughs> psychologist or whatever, but you are using up, we as caregivers use up a lot of emotional energy. In other words, we're dealing with, with this situation, which is right in front of us. And it takes so much to maintain control over our thought process so we don't sink into an abysmal helpless hopeless stage where we give up and uh, you know and and so because it takes so much emotional energy as a caregiver you need that time off you need that monday and 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 i i go to counseling periodically and i went to the counselor and you know i just feel guilty because i don't feel like seeing elaine and the the, uh, the counselor says good don't do it well, I looked at her with surprise, and they said that a person uh, who is with, with Alzheimer's, because their world is so small, they are so sensitive and aware to the feelings of the, of the caregiver, of what's going on around. So if I go, as explained to me, if I go and see her, and I have tons of anxiety and worry and uncomfortableness, and I'm bothered by this, I'm having the complete opposite effect on my wife, Elaine, that I would want to have, which is to make her happy. Hello? Hi, Jennifer. Hi, is everything okay? 
Yes, everything is fine. Are you on your way to work? Yeah, yeah. How are the kids? Oh, they're doing fine. Busy as usual. I thought Pam was calling today. Don't you have a big meeting to be prepared for? Yeah, actually I do. And, you know, check it in like this. There's got to be a better way. Caregivers have to be aware of the amount of emotional energy they're using and how it how it needs to be replenished, either through rest or getting together with friends or going to a movie or uh, watching a beautiful snowfall. <laughs> or the rain. We get that here. Okay. That, that does make sense. Um, I did not go see her last week because I was getting over a cold and I just didn't have the mental, mostly mental, but also physical energy. My husband and I are both Rotarians, and he said after our meeting, well, what are you going to do with mom today? And I said, I, I just can't. I, I, and I was mentally trying to psych myself up. Like, yeah, you can. You don't really feel that badly. You're a little congested, a little tired. It's not a big deal. Um, and I just, I tried. I got in the car, and I thought, well, I, I can't. No, no, I can't do it. It's <laughs> just, I thought about talking to her and then she's also very close with another woman in the residence who asks me the same questions and I thought if I have to deal with both of them no I'm going to lose my mind so I didn't go and I'm I felt terrible yeah but, but, but here one I know you felt terrible one thing that we caregivers need to do with one another is to give each other permission give you permission to feel sad and and Permission to understand that you're not going to feel best to see your mom every day. Uh, permission to uh, let go of the person who once was. Permission to have your own life as best you can. Uh, and uh, uh, we, it's there's a lot of things that we as caregivers, you know, need to do to to help each other through. And a lot of it is just having our mind into the game of joining their world. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's it's getting more challenging because my mom always says, well, what are we, like on Monday, well, what are we going to do? And I'd look at her and say, well, we can't just sit here and have a nice conversation. I had moved the, a couple of nice chairs up against the window so the sun was hitting us on the back. But it felt nice, and she really liked it because it was, eh, we probably could have sat outside if we'd bundled up a little bit, not like, not unlike you guys. Um, but... She's as low a weight as, excuse me, as she can be and still be healthy. So, um, and she doesn't have that, she doesn't have five jackets to put on. So I thought, well, this was a good option, but it's, it's hard. I know that not to pepper them with question after question because it's, it taxes their already broken mind, but it's, she doesn't initiate conversation and that does get challenging because you know, it's hard to initiate a conversation without asking questions. So I'm sometimes I just launch into a story or tell her about something that's happening or like, oh, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I just remembered something and I just start talking about it because that seems seems to generate as much conversation as I ever get. Well, one thing that we can think about, and that is asking ourselves the question, do we need conversation? Sometimes Elaine and I, sit and hold hands and and look out at whatever. And uh, um, sometimes that works. And uh, gosh, I 
I, I agree with you that it's really tough to ask questions because their mind is not there and now they're feeling threatened because they don't know the answer. And, and so, um, again, sort of like being a detective, trying to find out where they are and um, that some days just holding hands is not going to be enough, but uh, taking a cookie and uh, sharing a cookie or some ice cream or, um, you know, couple bottles of beer, a quart of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Neither my mom and I are drinkers, but there are, there's always dessert at our rotary meetings. And some weeks there are cookies. And I think the server knows that if there's cookies and there's cookies left over or brownies, that I will want to take a few to the, you know, my mom and her friend, especially she had an, all my mom's friends in the resident have been named Diane which is mom's name. <laughs> the first Diane loved chocolate. And if there were brownies, I would make sure to have plenty of, you know, they, they cut like one brownie into about four bites. So I would make sure to have plenty of brownies <laughs> because that woman loved her chocolate and I'll bring the chocolate chip and you'd think they never got dessert, but they get, I don't know that they get dessert after breakfast, but they do get it after lunch and they do get it. You know, they have, they have a meal and a snack and a meal and a snack. <laughs> I don't know how they have it put on the ton of weight, but. Well, I think because they're, they are using up, I said, emotional energy that we as caregivers use up. I think they also use up a lot of emotional energy. And um, it could be, you know, I as a caregiver ask Elaine a lot of questions and so forth. She is using, and, and even before she got to this point, she would use up so much energy trying to appear normal because she knew something was wrong and, and simply exhausted by the time that there was a, you know, and that's why it's so important when, when, when friends and, and family and relatives come to visit so that they know, you know, how to visit with someone who is, uh, who is with Alzheimer's because like you said, asking these questions, that's a, that's a tough goal. That's a yeah. Tough goal. Sometimes it makes them defensive and now you've got an unpleasant situation on your hands and who wants that? When we first moved mom in, I, you know, because I go on Mondays, I very rarely see other family members. And I thought, how can you just move your person in here and not come and visit? Cause I'm talking to the staff. A lot of people don't get visitors. And over the course of almost two years, I can see why, a lot of people don't get visitors. It's extremely difficult. It's extremely challenging emotionally. And the gal that lives in the adjacent room to my mom doesn't speak. She wanders all around and mumbles at you. So it's, she's trying to communicate and she knows what she's telling you, but you have no clue. And it's just, it's, it's a challenge, but I go, I go every week. My sister goes every week you know, and that's, that fits into the schedule. And I did sneak over there the other night and drop off towels. The, uh, the caregiver in the morning that helps mom with showers said we'd had an issue over the summer with mom getting resistant to changing and showering and that typical stuff. And we solved that problem. And now we were having a little bit of a problem again. And she said, I think it's, I think she needs bigger towels because, you know, it's cold. So I went and bought extra large bath sheets and in a pretty fluffy yellow color that was cheerful. And 
I had to get back home for dinner. They had already had their dinner. So I snuck in and then I saw my mom come in. So I ran around the corner and I said, here, I've got towels for mom. I know they needed them for tomorrow morning. And they said, Oh, she's over there. Like, Nope, she's coming down the hall. And it's, um, it's basically a square, square O with a beautiful courtyard in the center. So I basically went all the way around the long way to avoid her. She was, she was wandering around with her friends. So I'm like, she's fine. You know, they had their dinner. I mean, I didn't feel guilty that night because I was already tired from working all day, but it was kind of funny. It, yeah. it would have been, would have been, I should have probably turned on my camera phone and, and recorded my, my not-so-stealthy getting in and out. Yeah, well, I, uh, I myself have avoided the contact because I, I think that my coming there and my leaving is going to be more of a traumatic impact on her than if... I'm not there in the first place. And so we make those judgments. And let's start from the basic beginning. You love your mom very much. Everything that you could do in your life to help her, you would do. So no matter what you do, you always have to feel comfortable that you did the right thing because no one is going to take away or lessen the love you have for your mom. No one in the whole wide world. And so if you feel that it's best for you to go around the corner, that's what should happen. And you know, and this guilt stuff that we feel, um, many caregivers feel that way. And that's because, you know, you do everything you can, and yet the disease progresses. So mm-hmm. then you try harder. Well, then then you give up other things so you can try harder, and then things don't get better. And now now what am I doing wrong? And so we, we caregivers have to have to try and understand that this, this guilt is uh, something we... we we don't have to deal with because we don't deserve it. That is very true. It's counterproductive to our health. And if we can't take care of ourselves, as you mentioned in the book, you can't take care of your loved one. That's one of my other, I don't want to use the word theme so much, but that's another message I'd like to impart on people is how very important it is to take care of yourself physically and mentally when my dad was on hospice, I was missing a lot of my gym workouts and yep. then my frustrations, you know, my patients got less and less at a time when it needed to be more. And oh, it was just, it was tough. And, you know, once, once everything was settled and my life got a little bit more settled then I, you know, went back to my normal routine, but I know a lot of people, they never seem to get back to a normal because of the progression you're constantly chasing your new normal. And sometimes like the reason I didn't let her see me the other night was because I knew I couldn't stay even for a short time. And I knew it would, like you said, it would upset her if I just dashed in and dashed out. So I, I snuck in and, <laughs> and snuck all the way around to get back out. It was pretty funny. Just like, just like my parents and maybe your parents did with you when they thought you were falling asleep, they would sneak around to make sure they wouldn't wake you up. And Probably. Go on. Probably. So. so what other advice do you think is important for people caring for someone with Alzheimer's? Cause I loved your book. I actually, because I thought we were going to get to do this earlier this week and the weather screwed me up, which I'm a professional portrait photographer. So weather is frequently my enemy. Anyway, I listened to it. Um, you know, I listened to the audio book, so I felt like I knew you before we got together today. Um, and it just, it was great. I, I cooked and made all kinds of good treats, dinner and 
soup and cookies while I listened to your book was great. And I, I love how you're always reaching out and trying to help people. That's like I said, how I found you on Twitter, which for somebody who's 79, I'm impressed. You've got a good Twitter game. Well, thank you. I got a lot of good help. <laughs> uh, just outstanding. You know, uh, Gail Seidman and I worked together, so she's the one that helped put us together. And so she did just really a great job. But thank you for the comments about the book. And it's my two Elaine's, and I think it's available on Amazon. And I also think it's available many times at Barnes and Noble. Uh, or they, we have a website, my two Elaine's, uh, all one word, my two Elaine's.com. And uh, uh, people can get in touch with us there. But also, if anybody, uh, for example, wants to know what is how wonderful it is to live in Wisconsin and they have 35 below zero wind chill factors and nine inches of snow, I'd be more than willing to share with that. How hearty and look how good looking and intelligent I am because of all of this hearty weather. Oh, I think you do pretty good out here. You know, you can drive to the snow or to the beach or to the desert in about three hours each direction. Okay. This is why California is so expensive because you got it all right here. Sure. sure. <laughs> but what, what kind of uh, parting wisdom would you like to share with my listeners? I think uh, we, we go back to the basic, if Alzheimer's is bad, ignorance of the disease is worse, to try and find out more about this disease as it relates to what our loved one is going through. And within that framework, then I think I would say to make sure that we join their world. Uh, that ends up being being so important. And once, once we can do that, uh, I think uh, from there we can learn some of the finer points like the therapeutic fibbing or knowing you can't argue with this disease. Uh, but then also knowing that there is no other human being uh, than a caregiver uh, for someone with Alzheimer's who loves that person as much. And because of that, you always do the right thing uh, and you always do the right thing because at the moment you have that, that love, that passion. And, uh, and so we, we don't have to go back and retrace our steps and feel the guilt and so on. So join their world. I think that's the main thing. But then also you can't do it by yourself. You have to make sure you have help. You did talk a, a lot in the book about joining a support group. And that has been a huge benefit to myself. And I think you said in the book, that it was beneficial to you. So I highly recommend that. And I like how on the audio book, you listed the Alzheimer's Association 24-7 care helpline multiple times. Yes. Because that's a good resource. There was a gal in my support group who was getting quite desperate and she was actually calling the suicide prevention line and the, uh, facilitator of the support group said, did you not know about the Alzheimer's support line? And she said, no. And I'm sure she uses that regularly now, which is probably better, a better option. Right. It's, uh, the, the number is 800-272-3900. And then it's also, uh, you can get to their website, alz.org. And uh, no, I recommend so very highly uh, the helpline number really has almost been your first stop uh, when you have something confronting you. And because they, they have these 24-7 um, 
sort of experts who are, are there to, to then they've gone through this before many times or they can refer you uh, to someone who might be able to give you more information. Yeah, and they're there, like you said, 24-7 in the middle of the night when your loved one's wandering around and won't sleep, which I have not personally dealt with. And they, they tell me that mom is a good sleeper, although she gets up really early, which is not normal for her or not normal for her old self. So that's interesting. And I joined the support group like 14 months ago. And then I started, started the podcast about 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. And the more people I talk to, the more, the more I learn, which I thought I knew as much as you could know in, in dealing with people living with Alzheimer's, and the better it helps me to take care of my mom. Good. I, um, you know, like I said, she's always asking about if I take her out, which I do regularly. She's always wanting to make sure that my dad knows that we, you know, her husband knows that I took her out. So on New Year's Eve, I went to see her and I said, hi, dad asked me to come pick you up for your nail appointment, get y'all ready for the New Year's Eve party tonight. Well, the only part of that statement that was true was I was taking her to the nail appointment. And Mm -hmm. she said, oh, okay, that sounds good. And I thought, yes, yay, I'm not going to get the question again. And we got in the car and she said, now, does my husband know where I'm at? I'm like, oh, so close. (laughs) But it, you know, it, aborted many, many askings of that same question that just, you know, it's, it's, it rubs a raw nerve. It's like, you know, it's not your husband in that grumpy tone of voice. It's my dad. Thank you. She doesn't remember me either. I'm either her good friend or her sister. She knows I'm somebody important and that's fine with me. I I prefer to be the good friend than the sister, which is weird, but that's, that's life. But so you can have your choice. Yeah, well, it depends. <laughs> so on yeah. Monday, I think she remembered who I was. That was interesting. So uh-huh. most of the time, she doesn't. She just knows I'm important. Like you said, Elaine knows you're somebody important. And, you know, that's fine. As long as she doesn't think I'm a stranger, I, that would be hard. But just knowing that I'm an important person in her life, that's that's okay for me. That is supposed to be on silent. Um but I really appreciate the conversation and I highly, highly recommend the book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm a reader, so I'm, I'm not usually an audiobook person, but I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you tell the story. And, you know, it was, it's nice when I run across people who have been on a very similar path with like my mom and I, younger onset. My, like I said, my mom just turned 76, so she's not that much younger than Elaine. And they have similar like personality traits with the Alzheimer's. So it's, it's nice to know, I know I'm not alone, but it's nice when I get to talk to somebody who it's, there's a a camaraderie in the similarity. Well, you have helped me too. So thank you very much. Thank you. And I, I will be watching you on Twitter, helping other caregivers that are reaching out for help and, and struggling. And hopefully, hopefully we don't ever, if I ever want to buy a couple of Trump's towers, I'll call your husband as the real estate broker. <laughs> He'd love that because that would be some good money, but I'm not yeah. sure any of them for sale right now. <laughs> well, you take care of yourself, Jen. You Thank too, you, you so much. Don't yeah. freeze to death next week. If you got to come out to California and thaw out, it's... Okay, give me the address. <laughs> well, I'm in, like I said, I'm about 50 miles northeast of San Francisco. That's not close enough. I need the... 
Take care, care of yourself, okay? You too. Thank you so much, Marty. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. I hope you got a lot out of my conversation with Marty. I hope that you also pick up a copy of My Two Elaines. There is a link in the show notes that you can order it directly from them or download the audiobook. That's what I did so that I could multitask. And I got to feel like I knew Marty before we even had our conversation. He's quite humorous and enjoyable to listen to, and I know you will get a lot out of the book. However, if you do not have time to read or even listen to the audiobook, please keep in mind it is extremely important, necessary, mandatory that we take care of ourselves. After a recent visit with my mom, I was so emotionally drained, I was physically and mentally running on fumes. It was so bad, it slopped over into the next day, and it took every ounce of mental strength to get through the day and take care of the things that I needed to take care of for my businesses and my household. Keeping in mind what I'd learned from Marty, I did everything I could to nurture myself that day so that I could be back up again and ready to do all the things I need to do the next day. I've put a link in the show notes to an article on creating a caregiving team. And it's really a useful read because it doesn't necessarily require a lot of money. It requires some creativity, so little thinking outside the box, but it goes hand in hand with what Marty has taught us today. Hi, Jen. Sorry about the confusion this morning. I don't know why we keep getting mixed up like this, but I did do some research and I found the perfect app, I think, to solve our problems. It's called uh, I'm Up. It's a way that mom can check in with us at the push of the button on her phone. Wow, that sounds interesting. Tell me about it. It's really simple and kind of perfect for us. Mom just puts her info in and then one of our contact numbers at a time of day when we want her to check in and taps a big red button when it comes up. And then whatever contact she puts in gets a text message. She doesn't check in, the contact will be alerted. And if there's no continued contact, like she doesn't ever get back to us, then emergency services get called. Huh, that sounds fantastic. How much does that cost? It's only $4.99 a month, which is pretty reasonable, all things considered. Uh, With this version, you get all kind of great options. You can program it for one to three check-ins. There's multiple emergency contacts. So the whole family or even a neighbor could get one. There's even a pet registry to store important information about the dog, including what you want to do after you pass away. Also, there's an estate directory that allows you to have all of the estate information in one place, which is pretty awesome. Power of attorney info and anything someone might need if you're incapacitated or worse. Sign us up. I'm assuming you get that through the App Store. I'm downloading it now. After you download the I'm Up app from your favorite App Store, use invite code 006. That way the fine folks at I'm Up know that you heard about them from Fading Memories. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please take a moment and give us a positive rating and review. Ratings and reviews are how new listeners find us, and I can't be a supportive podcast if people don't know I exist.